Am I recording? You're recording. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Beatles vs. Stones, year by year. That's what we're calling this podcast. Um, I'm Justin Cox, and my friend Ryan Page is here. You'll hear from him in just a second. A quick disclaimer before we jump into this thing is that, like, baked into the structure of this podcast is that it's going to make some people angry because we know people love these two bands and we love these two bands and uh we're basically debating who had the better year each year that's not, that doesn't mean that i think the rolling stones had a bad year on a year that i'm representing the beatles or vice versa but uh you know we're we're gonna commit to the cause and go all in on it so ryan do you have anything to add to that yeah just that if you if you do get angry about it good because that means you care um and that's that's the one thing i'll say about this music is that we do care about it Exactly. And your local library and various streaming services have many documentaries and books about both of these bands that can give you every little perfect, accurate, um, fact-checked detail. This is not going to be that. This is an exercise in like the way human beings talk about music and fans talk about music. And, and it's like an insane run of like these two huge, important bands kind of having this overlapping prime of their career and we're going to talk about it. But we, we are not music historians um, by any stretch of the imagination. And you, the, my background with these two bands, the amount of research I've done is I, I once half watched the Beatles anthology while I was at work at a video store. And I've watched the YouTube video of the Rolling Stones rock and roll circus about 800 times. So I don't know if that makes me an expert on these two bands, um, but I'm going to say it does. You're an expert in my eyes and um, <laughs> I hope to earn that status as we go. What, I, what I'll say in addition to that is like, we, we are listening extensively to this music before each week and thinking about it and everything. And so um, we'll, we'll make good use of your time. Um, with that, I want to ask you a question, Ryan. Let's see. Okay, let's, let's go. This, this, you have no idea this is coming, but... I'm already feeling argumentative. This is yeah, great. Don't cheat, but um, what, what's the most highly streamed Beatles song on Spotify? Take a oh, guess. Don't cheat. Don't cheat. The most, Just guess. I, won't, I, I won't look. Um, okay, I'm going to guess... Let it be? Nope. It's Here Comes the Sun at 557 um, million plays. All right, Rolling Stones. Um, ah, Rolling Stones. You can't always get what you want. It's Paint It Black at 498. Paint It Black is the number. Wow, okay. But like, part of me wonders if some of this stuff has to do with like soundtracks and I, I don't know, like certain... I don't know. I mean, I love Paint It Black and that's a cool song, but I, I wouldn't have guessed that was their most streamed song. That's interesting. Yeah. I know. I was actually surprised. I was surprised by both of those, but also kind of get it. Yeah. Here Comes the Sun makes sense when I think about it for a second. I don't know why. I, I guess Let It Be. I guess those two songs, because I just always assume that like kind of sad bastard music is always really popular on Spotify. Um, so I don't know. That was, that was my, that's where I was going with those guesses. Like, Probably not to like overthink it. Like just think about the first plucked out notes you hear on both of those songs. They're just like immediately recognizable to the point of being like, like, like a child would recognize those. Yes, absolutely. Um, and something we'll do uh, here and there throughout each of these episodes is splice in some songs like we are going to do right here with these two.
so at the end of this episode, what we're going to do is we're going to take turns picking years between 1964 and 1974, and we're basically going to map out what band we're representing in each year throughout the duration of this podcast. So we haven't preset that. We both love the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, and we'll we'll know that at the end of this. But in the meantime, can, can I gonna, just actually? I want to interject just real quick. Is that I feel like coming into this, I can really quite honestly say that I don't know that I love the Beatles or the Rolling Stones more than the other. I, I don't I don't know that I could tell you at the beginning the totality of their career. That's that's where I'm coming to this project from. Yeah, I I I get that. I don't know. The, the, the way that I've described it to myself is that I think I almost think the Beatles are better. I almost like I have to acknowledge that I think the Beatles are better, but there are a lot of times I don't want to hear the Beatles and I basically can listen to the Rolling Stones anytime. And so then I don't know what that means. That's like, so are the Beatles better? If that's the truth, I don't know. Well, you know, that <laughs> this, this really like takes us straight into the meat of this this argument. And as I've been like pondering and thinking about the comparative strengths and weaknesses of these two bands, not just on a yearly basis, but over their whole career, um, I've spent a lot of time ruminating on that. And I feel like one of the key differences, okay, so yes, I will grant you that the Beatles from like a catalog standpoint, from maybe even like a musicianship standpoint, they have the upper hand. But the other night I was watching um, Martin Scorsese's uh, movie that came out before taxi driver mean streets have you ever seen mean streets no i bookmarked it the other day though i was curious about it it's 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 okay it's like one of those movies that everything it's got everything that taxi driver has in it just not quite as good but there's a scene in that movie where they introduce robert de niro's character at the beginning of the movie and it's like a slow um intro walk into a bar that's played to the rolling stones in the way that martin scorsese can do that and it just is so cool it, it, it and and if you if you were playing a beatles song you, you would not have that cachet of of i'm trying to show a guy walk into a bar and make him look cool in slow motion and and now i'm gonna play please please me or you know maybe that's a terrible example but that that to me really sums up what the rolling stones bring to the table and and what they that that, that swagger they're just sort of cooler. And what's kind of what's kind of interesting to think about is like there's all this conversation around like what the Beatles arrival meant and it's like kids going crazy and and teenagers going crazy and parents thinking like what the hell is going on with this. And so in that weird from that perspective the Beatles were were wild and the devil's music and stuff. But then the Rolling Stones were like almost were framed deliberately as like a bad boy counter to the Beatles who he, especially in retrospect, kind of seem like cute, nice boys, you know, they do. It seems, you know, with 60 years of hindsight at this point, almost 60 years, um, they seem pretty tame. Uh, these songs are not, it, it can be difficult to get in the mindset of listening to, you know, P.S. I love you and imagining the the 1960s dad like throwing it in the fireplace. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> exactly. Well, so the way we're going to do this podcast is we're going to take the next 10 episodes after this one are going to be like 64, 65, 66, and we'll take them one at a time contained within those years. 
what we're doing in this one, in addition to drafting those years, is just sort of both these bands existed prior to 64. So, um, and, and another thing I should note real quick is that we know that the Beatles wind down in 70, but the members of the Beatles continue putting out important, important music over the next four years. So for the purpose of this podcast, the music that represents the Beatles during that period is um, McCartney, Lennon, um, Wings, Ringo, all that. So, they all have solo stuff. Even Ringo has a prodigious output into the 1970s. Yeah, and, and there's, so there's a ton of stuff worth talking about there, some of which, quite honestly, I will be exploring for the first time. Th- these two bands are worth talking about together, and a ton of their like, most important periods overlap directly, but the Rolling Stones, 70 to 73, 74, is, there's no scenario where you're not talking about that too. The music's too, just too legit. Yes. What's like, if you're just describing to someone their pre-64 career, like, what was that like and where were they? I mean, 63 is definitely the year that the Beatles kind of exploded onto the scene. And I, I think, you know, you, you read the story of the Beatles. They were obviously um, in Hamburg, Germany, before they kind of hit it famous. And, and they were kind of doing that touring circuit and, and kind of getting their chops together. And a lot of these songs that they were playing, um, you know, with the Beatles, you know, with Please Please Me, their first album, uh, some of these songs are covers, but a lot of these are originals. I think the Rolling Stones for a little bit longer were kind of playing more blues standards. And I, I'm probably not as well versed in the, the early years of the Rolling Stones and the formation of, uh, of them. If, if anyone has like a really good book on the Rolling Stones that lays all that out, I'd love to read it. But I, I think it's fair to say to some extent that without the Beatles and their success, we, we may have never heard the Rolling Stones. Um, and yeah, no, I was I was reading up leading this that in 1963, so this is pre-64, the guy uh, Andrew Aldham finds the Rolling Stones, and this is a guy who had worked sort of marketing, managing, like on the periphery of the Beatles, and basically like saw the Rolling Stones playing their like pretty, I mean, basically covering like very awesome blues music, but at the end of the day, you're still just covering blues music and picked up the Rolling Stones and was like, hell yeah, like the lead singer is a sex magnet. These guys just have like, <laughs> there's just energy here. There's something to do here. Straight up helped boot out the piano player who was like an older looking man, an older <laughs> looking man who didn't- Fuck you, grandpa, get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, and then and said that you can't have six members in a band because like teenage kids just looking to like get turned on, can't, th- can't count past five and- <laughs> And basically, like, said, like, I'm going to make a bad boy Beatles. I'm going to make a, like, a a thing that I watched, like, a little documentary I watched, like, talked about, like, a a tough, sexually suggestive flip side to the Beatles. Which, honestly, dude, the guy did it. Well, he did it. And I guess just the, the interesting part of that story is the fact that the Rolling Stones fulfilled, you know, they it was like a boy band in that sense of, you know, when we were growing up and there was this sort of idea of like, yeah, just like go to the mall and like find five good looking guys and like teach them how to dance. And like, you have like a super successful pop group and it wasn't too far from that. I think the surprising part is that both of these bands and, and Keith Richards and Mick Jagger became such amazing songwriters. And I mean, there's this whole period 
it's sort of survivorship bias because I'm there were hundreds of other bands that I'm sure people even adjacent to the Beatles were like, yes, these guys will be the, and no one's ever heard of them. Um, and, and, and so speaking of people that got kicked out of the band, I don't know that we're ever going to get to this or, or, um, or that necessarily be included in some of the later years that we're going to cover. But did you know that Pete Best, the the drummer who got kicked out of the Beatles, did you know at, at, at one point uh, in the, in the sixties, he released an album called The Best of the Beatles. But it was actually just an album of him and like a band playing. But that was what um, the album was actually. I deeply admire that hustle. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not, a, there's no lie in that title. Right? There is no lie. Show me where the lie is. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our Pete Best corner. Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll We'll talk about it in 64, but... It's a bun- It's the Rolling Stones covering these blues songs, doing it well and doing it like with a whole lot of presence and and magnetic energy. But like we'll get to it in '64, so I won't say much more. But like they have one original song on the album they put out in 1964, and it is so good and so different and so indicative of where they're going. It's I love it. I love that there's just this one song that's kind of like pointing you in the direction of of this band that's going to be one of the most important bands ever well, tell tell the people the song that you're the song is te- the song is tell me and i'll talk a little more about it next week um one of the the downfall the, the downfalls of all these covers of some of the early rolling stone stuff is they, they just all sound the same <laughs> i mean they, they they fucking do but They released an EP in January of 1964 that I've been listening to a ton that I really like. And um, they they do a cover of a coaster song on there called Poison Ivy that is just, I think think it's as good as any of the other songs that the Rolling Stones recorded later in their career. So if you're interested in listening to some of that early Stone stuff. just not a lot of pre-1964 stuff with them so my question to you is since we're in an argumentative debative space and since we don't have much rolling stone stuff to deal with in this pre pre-1964 time period what which which beatles album do you like better that came out in 63 with the beatles or please please me uh please please me see i'm gonna oh see i'm gonna disagree (laughs) Please Please Me is is probably more memorable. It has some more memorable songs in there, but I actually think With the Beatles is a better, more mature album. Yeah, I think in 64 and then obviously in 65, those albums are like, they're maturing so quickly. Like they're all, they're, they're leaps and bounds above this to me. Like this music is, these people have a, a sense of melody beyond comprehension like it's like how they write all these songs how you end up with two people and then have george harrison later writing too and then even ringo like how you have all these same people in the same band writing these songs is just insane but that said like the dichotomy between them and the rolling stones right now is is it it's a huge gap between the two because one is sort of riffing out real cool blues covers and one is writing the most sort of like saccharine candy music imagine <laughs> she wouldn't dance with another Woo! 
You think do you think they're saccharine? I don't think they're total like so you just mentioned George Harrison and his first song. I don't know if it was the first song he ever wrote, but the first song that he wrote that's on a Beatles album is on with the Beatles. It's called Don't Bother Me. And it's actually one of my favorite Beatles songs. Um, and the song the song is about how George Harrison just broke up with his girlfriend and he's basically telling his friends and like other girls, like, look, uh, I will uh I'll hang out with you again, but I'm I'm heartbroken over this girl, so just leave me the fuck alone, basically. Um, and it's actually a great song. So go I honestly might have the wrong definition of saccharine, but um, <laughs> what it what it, what they are is immediately immediately pleasing in their hooks basically because yes. there's a lot of sad songs about that i mean basically like whatever like early 1960s version of sad emo boy songs like they yes. do plenty of that all right so before we get to before we draft what year we'll be representing in the duration of this podcast um i want to ask you which band do you think has a better band name oh <sighs> that's 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 a really interesting question. My my instinct is to say the Rolling Stones, um, but I feel like it's kind of they kind of get docked points because their band name is based off of a blues song, right? So it's kind of not super original. But I I, I mean this is a hundred percent. Well, it's a hundred percent objective. You know, I'm I'm going in this whole thing saying everything is is going to be that this is the truth and reality of it. Um, yeah, I'm just going to say the Rolling Stones. I, uh, to be honest, as great as the Beatles are, the name the Beatles, kind of a lame name. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I've, I've ridden a little bit of a roller coaster in, in my mind since thinking of asking this question. And all right, Beatles, spelt with the word beat, incredibly cheesy in retrospect, but probably kind of fucking tight back then. It's That's definitely like, better than if they had named it the Beatles without the A. Like that would have been worse. Yeah. I don't even I, know if that's on the table though, back then. I can very easily like go to an alternate dimension in my mind where there's like a pop group from 1963 that just never quite like has that hit song, but you know, maybe flirts with it. It's popular in England and they're called the Beatles. And now we like laugh at them for that name. <laughs> I love the idea that before Nirvana became Nirvana, they had like, like pen cap chew and like like these like vulgar names just written in notebooks like it, it just like really would pen cap chew take <laughs> would that completely like shift the like trajectory of music in the 90s a band called pen cap chew i don't know but then again it would be the same exact song so who knows um but, not to go I, I, I don't want to run too far down that all right so here's a sub question well, okay one other thing i'll say though before you get to that is that Another argument for the Rolling Stones is that the name is so versatile that Bob Dylan probably surely at that point must have known there was a band called the Rolling Stones and was like, I'm still going to make a song called Like a Rolling Stone because that's how versatile this like co no, combination of words are. That's that's where I'm going right now. That's okay. That's, that's <laughs> I beat the you to the question. Bunch. Is honestly the Rolling Stones. I was gonna dock the Rolling Stones points to the point of of losing to the Beatles in this question uh -huh. for me. Okay. Except that the timeline is all right. Muddy Waters song, mm -hmm. then Rolling Stones 
named their band in 1962. Bob Dylan writes Like a Rolling Stone in 1965. 100% he knows that band exists. That's, yeah. There's no way that's not true. And then 1967, I, you get the first episode of Rolling Stone magazine. So like these, the culture spent the 60s just pounding the absolute hell out of the a Rolling Stone gathers no moss uh, imagery. It, w- it was obviously very um, pliable. Well, the Rolling Stones, to me, to me, the Rolling Stones is a cool band name. They only, I was basically going to dock them if they named their band that after Bob Dylan and Rolling Stone magazine, but I knew in my heart before even researching that that wasn't going to be the case. A band naming themselves after something from a song that inspired them, that, that, I don't even, that's great to me. That's, that's f- totally fair game. All right, and now something we're going to do in each of these episodes is between the times when Ryan and I are kind of debating who had the better year of these two, we're going to get a third opinion on this, someone who's not sort of enslaved by the uh, format of this podcast that we're putting ourselves through. And today, to be our sort of first example of that, is a friend of mine, Evan Daly, who is a super talented musician who plays in bands called Boot Juice, The Dirt Feeling, Negative Wookie. How you doing, Evan? I'm doing great, Justin. How you doing? Really good. I'm glad to have you on this first episode to talk about the Beatles and Rolling Stones. Yeah. All right. So at this point, Ryan and I have kind of gone over it. The Beatles have some collections of songs out. The Rolling Stones are really, really kind of just getting going. Mm -hmm. With that in mind, though, who do you got? Rolling Stones or Beatles pre-1964? I tried to overthink this as hard as I could. I really... uh, That's what this podcast is for, so it yeah it, uh, you know i really you know i tried to i tried to give as much credence as i could to the rolling stones as uh as they were at the time and uh kind of where they were on their trajectory and uh, kind of give them a handicap somewhat uh, against the fact that the beatles were kind of just came out as this polished rocket ship of you know pop music you know uh, and so yeah. I tried to be, I tried to be really fair, but at the end of the day, it really, I mean, the decision is really easy to make and it's the Beatles. Taking into kind of context of where the bands were, they were at very different points of their career. Um, the Beatles had been uh, working as a band in Hamburg, in the Cavern Club, you know, and uh, had really built this really solid repertoire. And the Rolling Stones, they were, you know, really creative, but they hadn't really legitimized themselves in the pop world yet. Um, and so what they were doing on those efforts, um, they actually did two EPs in, in 19, I, I tried to give them a further handicap and look into 1964 and they did another five song EP uh, later in that year. Uh, but even taking into all that into account, they had no original music on either of those EPs. The Rolling Stones is a band I've always uh, kind of felt they, their appeal is more in their vibe of their groove and their, kind of just the kind of the chunkiness of their groove and there's like aesthetic reasons why they're really palatable um, but the the stuff that the Beatles are doing on those just right away on the first record please please me it's just a lot of really refined harmonic texture and really like intelligent note choices being used and just a lot of thought and care uh, to how they structure things, you know? Um, and it's, it's really, uh, I mean, it's, it's got a lot of high production value on it. And a lot of that has to do with George Martin, 
uh, helping them and producing them. Uh, and he's credited as the fifth Beatle uh, in that way. Yeah. And he helped kind of make their music and because he has this great compositional mind. Um, and so on the Rolling Stones EP, you can totally hear the Rolling Stones and the vibe that they, you know, developed into their later records. Um, but it also features Brian Jones, uh, who departed very early on in the Rolling Stones career uh, after his tragic death, the age of 27. And so there, there is a kind of remarkably different sound in that era of the Stones compared to my favorite Stone stuff anyway, just because yeah. without, Bri without Brian and you add Ronnie Wood in there, it's, it's the rhythm structure and how they were approaching their stuff is way different. I think the way you put it, though, that it's it's more of a uh, of across the board vibe for the Rolling Stones is a good way to put it. Like whereas the Beatles, you can you can basically point to a dozen like infectious choruses and oh yeah. Where whereas the Rolling Stones thing is more of like a thing that's washing over you, like as a whole, just like a general sound and feeling and all that. Totally, and uh, I I as a quick AB. Um, and in part of my handicap, I was trying to give the Rolling Stones. I said, I'm going to just, I'm going to pick a song at random off of Please Please Me and, uh, and compare it and just, and I'm going to use that as my standard to compare to the four songs that the Rolling Stones did. And uh, the shuffle landed me on the title track, Please Please Me. And uh, if you haven't heard it, uh, listeners out there, just, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast if you haven't heard it, but you should go listen to Beatles' uh, first record. It's great. Last night I said these words to my girl. There's like three different hooks on that song, and like it, and a great uh, riff with the harmonica that doubles the vocal part, and uh, cool chord changes that kind of step outside of the key for a second. And I thought, okay, well, the the appeal of the Rolling Stones is this rhythm groove that they got going on. And uh, especially on Money, their cover of, you know, Money, That's What I Want. Uh, you really feel the, you know, the Bill Wyman, Charlie Watt kind of just dum, 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 you know, really nice thumping yeah. kind of thunderous rhythm groove. But then you go to Please Please Me and Ringo is just playing all sorts of cool stuff all over that song. It's like, well, come on, man, like, yeah. <laughs> like Ringo, you know? So it, it just, the decision became easier and easier and easier to make. Just the more I was listening to it, I'm like, this is like, I don't think they were that developed yet. And they just had to kind of prove that they could play the hits. And uh, then they became, you know, the great band that we know them as. Well, any parting thoughts? I appreciate you being the first one. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, the parting thought is that, you know, being out of time of that era and being born in the later 20th century and the both those bands had already done pretty much all their impact on our culture and music at large. Uh, it was kind of interesting to put myself in that time and kind of try to feel that perspective. And I kind of started to go through the other years and do the AB and it's really interesting. And I can't, you know, I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say about it. Well, thank you, man. Take care. I've got a feeling, a feeling All right, so let's draft these. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you go first. So the way we're gonna do this, you pick 
the year you're drafting and what band you want in that year. So it'd be like uh, such and such band in this year. And then we'll take that off the table. And, and, and then that, can... that year is off the table because if, if I pick one band, then that implicitly means that you have the other band. So yeah. we're, we'll name the year in the band, but um, it'll, it'll only be one, one draft per year. Yep. So with the, with the first with the first pick and the first inaugural Beatles versus Stones draft, uh, I will select the Rolling Stones for 1972, uh, featuring Exile on Main Street. That's a smart choice. <laughs> I've got to say about that. It's a smart choice considering what Exile on Main Street is, and a smart choice considering what's the uh, what's what's up against it that year. Um, Sometime in New York by John Lennon, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> never, never heard it in my life. It's gonna be a fun foray, and I yeah, and I can't wait to mount a case for how amazing it is. Okay, <laughs> I think that's actually also like a live album. <laughs> <laughs> that's classic. Um, all right, you're you're up. So what's what's off the table right now? Seventy two. Seventy two is off the table. All right, I'm gonna pick the Beatles in 1970, and that's basically the Beatles put out "Let It Be" last album. McCartney puts out an album. George Harrison puts out an album. Uh, Lennon and Yoko Ono put out an album. And then the Stones have the live album, Get Your Yaya's Out. That is a huge, huge Beatles year. Okay, that's a, that's a smart choice. Um, all right, with my next pick, I am going to take uh, the Beatles in 1966, which is Revolver. Bastard. And, and the Stones put out Aftermath. You know, it could be a lot worse than that. All right, I'm going to take the Rolling Stones in 71, um, oh. which is Sticky Fingers versus Paul McCartney does Ram, the Wings do Wildlife, and John Lennon does Imagine. Oh, yeah. I am, I am super stoked to be arguing on the side of Ram. That is, that is, Ram is my jam, so <laughs> I'm happy to, to, to give you that one. Okay, then I will take... Uh, the Rolling Stones in 1967, which is uh, Between the Buttons, Satanic Majesty's First Request, um, or Satanic Majesty's Request. I always call it the Satanic Majesty's First Request because the Brian Jonestown Massacre put out Second Request. Anyways, it's confusing. And then the Rolling Stones also put out an album, The Haze of Confusion of Different Countries Releases called Flowers, which I think is different enough from some of the other releases with some of the similar songs that I'm including it. And then the Beatles put out Sgt. Pepper's uh, Magical Mystery Tour, Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields. I feel like there's probably going to be some people right now who are like, wait, you just picked 1967 and you didn't pick the Beatles. Yeah. Um, I'm one, I'm one of those people. I'm going to tell you right now. I fucking hate Magical Mystery Tour. That album oh, sucks. I'm not going to defend Magical Mystery <laughs> Tour too much, but but to me, to me, the sheer fact that you put out Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields in addition to all the good stuff that's on Sgt. Pepper is not to say that, that one's perfect either, but I'm, I'll bring me to 1967. I... I, I quality or whatever we will get into the specific debate when we get to 1967 but i'll tell you right now i listen to their satanic majesty's request a lot more than i listen to sergeant peppers at this point in my life um but hey that's just me that's what this is for all right you're up all right so i am going to take so we got the 70s are largely coming off the table um 
God, 68 is so hard. White Album and Baker's Banquet. 69 is... I'm going to take the Rolling Stones in 69. Let it bleed. Let it bleed. I just really love Abbey Road, so that's not easy either. But I put Yellow Submarine Lands around the same spot as Magical Mystery Tour for me, so... (laughs) Yeah, that's... I mean, you can't go wrong with any of these, um, but it's certainly going to be... I feel like we're lining up right now. That was actually the first one that you chose where um, you chose the band that I had chose for that year. So we're we're in sync with these as far as where we want to be on the sides of these arguments. Nice. Okay. Well, then I will take um, 1968 Stones, Beggar's Banquet. um, And you get to to defend the White Album, which... (laughs) I feel like there's equal parts, the white album, equal parts to defend and loathe. So I, I, I could, that was one that I kept low on my little like list of notes because I could defend or, or uh, kick dirt on it just as easily. <laughs> that, now you're going to have to, because you, you have that year, you'll have to listen to Obla D, Obla Da a hundred times. All right, I'm going to take the Beatles in 1965 next, which, oh, yes. which gives me help and rubber soul. And then you have a misfit, uh, the misfits of uh, Rolling Stones number two, Out of Our Heads, Rolling Stones Now, and December's Children. That's a lot of fucking work for me to do to figure out. <laughs> Dude, they do, they do plenty of the, the thing where like the separate releases have overlap of the same songs, I think, in that collection. Oh yeah, dude. Whatever. Quantity over quality in 1965 for me. Okay. Um, then I am going to choose the Beatles in 1973. The heavy, the heavy hitter on there is is Band on the Run by Wings, but there's there's an album from every Beatle in that year. So Wings has two albums. George puts out Living in the Material World. John puts out Mind Games and Ringo has an album aptly titled Ringo um, and the Stones put out Goat's Head Soup. You know, actually, I there's a lot to discover on the Beatles side, the Beatles solo artist side for me in that conversation, but Goat's Head Soup is a, a an album I consider to be really good. Um, not, not as great as a lot of the music that came right before it, but feels like it's Goat's Head Soup versus Band on the Run for me there. Okay, so there's two years left, 64 and 74 and beyond. Yeah, I'm going to pick the Beatles in 64 and then let you be the, the man to cast the uh, like 74 and beyond vote. Okay, oh. <laughs> um, let me look at this list real quick. I think I'm going to take the Stones side for 74 and beyond. Okay. So we're going to put these out once a week, starting whenever we launch it. <laughs> can, we, can we have something more definitive than that? Uh, we'll put these out once a week, starting in the new year. There you go. That's pretty good. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. <laughs> exactly. All right, Ryan, I look forward to it. What's the, what's the Rolling Stone song that's going to play us out every time? Well, baby, 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 you're out of time. And I'm gonna fade in the uh, real version right there. Can we do that? Oh, I can do that. 
thank you all for listening. And yeah, we're going to keep these episodes all around like half hour to 40 minutes. And there are going to be 10 of them in total. So um, enjoy this during lockdown number two of this uh, (laughs) reality we're living in. What else you got to do? Thanks for listening to the first episode. You can find me on Twitter at CoxJustin, and you can email the show at BeatlesVersusStonesPod at gmail.com. The exact lettering of that is in the um, show notes, but it's a VS for the verses. Anything you send there, whether it's love letters or hate mail, will go to Ryan, who is smartly not on social media. This podcast is part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, which is home to a bunch of really cool music shows that you should definitely check out. And thanks to Pantheon sponsor AKG for supporting the show. You'll notice a step up in the sound quality in the next episodes and the whole rest of the series. And that is thanks very much to them. See you in 1964. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.